This is The Bubble. He is Mike Bonner. I am Montana Samuels. And if you are a listener of The Bubble, you know that sometimes we interview other reporters who have done stories recently that we found interesting and deemed were worthy for us to talk to them. And today we go meta on The Bubble. Just going to look in the mirror. We're going to talk to uh, one of our, the official friend of the podcast, Mike Bonner. Number one friend. About a story he wrote for the Standard Time. When did it, it ran last Sunday? Uh, yes, yeah, Sunday, I don't know, what's on, the 21st. Sunday the 21st, this story ran. It was called Friday Night Flight, High School Football Numbers Decline on the South Coast. And this isn't a topic that is new to the bubble either. No, it's one we have, we've discussed. I, I, I was thinking about this last night before um, when we sort of came up with the idea for the podcast this week. We've discussed it, I feel like, three or four times? At least, probably three I times. I think it's probably me the fourth, yeah. Yeah. So for listeners, you should be familiar if you've been following us. If not, um, let's talk about concussions again, Mike. And I, I think that's actually, uh, not to throw you under the bus, but the, no, the wrong way that, to phrase it. It's exactly because, why I said it. Uh, it's not about concussions, actually. I think that's right. the, the least, uh, it's really misleading. And I think that's something that, not that you were doing that on purpose. Uh, no, no, seriously. I think it's it's fake, something fake news, Montana. that you know really needs to be uh, talked about, and we're going to talk a lot about yep. you know the misnomers and the theories and or the ideas. But I, I think you know, education, knowing more about the positive and negative aspects of football is really important and where you start in a discussion of the declining numbers of football. And just a quick wrap up of the declining numbers in the last 10 years, participation in the state of Massachusetts in high school football has declined about 14% uh, within city schools like New Bedford, New Bedford Vogue, it's decreased about 50%. Uh, Wareham has experienced the biggest 11 years ago, uh, there were 133 boys participating in high school football. I went to their game uh, the Friday before this, so that would be Friday, uh, October 19th, and there were about 20 dressed, and yeah, it was. you're looking at like 113 decline. Right. Now, there's a number of issues. You look at school choice, uh, declining enrollment in schools, athletes going to specific schools to participate in sports, while we say all this, football is still an easily eclipse every other sport by a wide margin in terms of sports that are participated in high schools. But there is a decline, and there are a number of reasons. But uh, the reason we focused on for this story, because a lot of athletic directors pointed to this, was uh, CTE. And mm-hmm. they always said, no athletic director or coach or anything that I ta- anyone I talked to said, the issue of CTE. They said the concussions and CTE. Concussions right. and CTE. And that should really be severed because... It's not the same thing. Yeah. Con- CTE does not result Directly from concussions. From concussions yeah. It's repeated hits to the head over a long period of time. And the way uh, Dr. Michael Alasco, friend of the pod, who friend joined pod. us, he described it to me as there are concussions, which is trauma to the head where you show symptoms... And then there are sub-concussive hits, which you are hit in the head, and you do not show symptoms. And those are the hits that researchers are focused on that are leading to CTE. Right. And CTE, of course, is a, uh, a degenerative brain disease that alters the way the brain kind of develops and 
how it sends messages to the rest of the body. And that can result in mood changes, feeling depressed, feeling paranoid, being a little bit more violent, uh, and then symptoms kind of like dementia. Uh, it was first discovered in boxers in 1928, and they referred to it as punch drunk syndrome, like mm-hmm. you were just kind of out there, and then dementia. So that's a quick little wrap-up. I know, as you said, we've talked about it before, but we just wanted to give a quick wrap-up to maybe yeah. some new friends of the pod and right. we'll go from there. And so uh, one of the interesting uh, ways you frame the story was with how people are countering the concerns to CTE as it pertains most specifically to youth football. Um, Yeah. How did you come across um, these different leagues and teams that you decided to almost sort of profile in the story? And then how apt were they to discuss these issues with you, given that these kids are like five to seven years old? Yeah, I think because we, as we said, we've talked about this issue before and we really didn't frame it in this tense. We've spoken with Tyler Dunn mm-hmm. uh, about the NFL. We, sp- we talked to Dr. Michael Lasco about, you know, just in general CTE. But I really wanted to focus on the youth aspect of it because if kids aren't playing in high school, maybe they're not playing in, at lower levels. Mm-hmm. And what I found was some people are turning to flag football uh, to avoid any contact and really the reason why is because uh, this BU research that came out in April showed that players who started participating in football prior to the age of 12 and went on to develop CTE mm-hmm. or developed the condition 13 years prior to someone who started playing football after the age of 12. And that's because you and I, if we sustained a concussion or a hit or any brain trauma whatsoever, mm-hmm. uh, our brain is just going to keep on going because it's developed. Right. It's, it's kind of, uh, uh, if you affect the foundation of anything while you're building it, it's really going to affect everything right. else where our kind of house is already built yep. for a child, uh, from zero to 12, the brain is really developing and to stop that development or hamper that develop in any way that can lead to massive uh, or not massive, probably not the big, but just problems, you know, later in life. And even Wake Forest did a study that showed even in a single football, youth football season, the development of white matter in the brain change. And white matter, as Dr. Lasco explained to me, is basically just the pathway that uh, messages are sent to the body. So with all that, I wanted to look at youth football and we talked to, I talked to ADs, I talked to high school parents, uh, parents of high school football players, parents of youth football players, uh, grandparents of youth football players. I spoke with one woman who has a son in college playing football mm-hmm. and then was at a youth football game watching her kids play Pop Warner. So really, uh, across the board, uh, flag football parents, and all of them were willing to talk. I would say 90 Five percent people were were really willing to to discuss the issue and not only discuss but learn about it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the things that I, I talked to, people weren't really informed about CTE, uh, and by that I mean they had heard Aaron Hernandez's name. They thought it had to do with concussions, uh, but other than that, it was really. I'm not really sure what it is. I know it's has to do with football and and brain injuries, but. That was about it. So I think it, it's a topic that I think interests people a lot because not only were they answering questions, but then they were kind of asking me questions, which is, you know, doesn't always happen as a reporter. 
Right, often does not. So what was, when, when it came to the parents, because obviously with a kid that's five to seven, they're probably in most cases not the decision maker as to whether or not they play flag or tackle football. What did you discover was the parents, what, why'd they go one way or the other? The flag football parents that I uh, interviewed that were from five to seven, it's a league in Wareham that just began this year. Universally, uh, it was because they thought five to seven was too young for tackle football. Mm -hmm. The parents I spoke to about tackle football, similar. Uh, It depended on ages. I spoke with one mom who was a nurse and understood CT and all the issues with it said that at six, she thought he was too young at seven. You know, he kept bugging. She said, no, at six, he wanted to play. And then at seven, she said, okay, let's see how this goes. And at any point she said, if I thought this wasn't safe, I'd pull him out immediately. I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm not ashamed of that or scared of that. So there was at every level, some concern, uh, to a degree. Mm Mm-hmm. Then I, I shouldn't say at every level there was. was some parents, I'd say most parents did. Some were now he's just playing tackle. It's it's probably a little overrated. Mm-hmm. These guys know what they're doing. So, but even then, it, there was some acknowledgement that there was an issue because there was a case. They would say they're teaching them better. They're teaching them how to tackle. Sure. So that that fear is is kind of non-existent because they trust the coaches that they know how to teach them properly. Right. Okay. And so how this sort of brings, what were the, because there's obviously the parents who are concerned about their kids Mm -hmm. that are playing. What did the people you spoke with who were more involved on the coaching or instructing side, what did they have to say in regards to either acknowledging that CTE was a problem and trying to learn more and teach kids differently or the opposing side of that and just saying that they weren't worried about it and football does these other things that's more beneficial than any negatives that could happen. I spoke with Damon Solomon, who is a coach for the Wareham Flag League and also uh, youth tackle football, and he was really one of the best people I spoke to because he loved the game, he played the game, he coached flag, and also coach tackle and also an EMT. Mm-hmm. So he really understood all aspects to it and really the, like the parents would take some of the information I had from Dr. Losco and in, in the research. And he's really trying to walk that line as a certified coach. Uh, he made the point of that, especially these flag football leagues, they have to be certified. They're not just a bunch of, mm-hmm. uh, and even, it helps to be certified for his tackle football league too, where it's just not a bunch of guys who play in high school who are like reliving the glory right. days. Uh, they want they they love the game and want to pass the game on to their to the the next generation. So he's really struggling with how to promote the game safely, but also avoid propaganda. And mm-hmm. I think that's. To me, the biggest thing of this whole story was just education, educating the public of what we know about CTE and then what we don't know about CTE. Uh, a lot of times, it's always lost in the discussion. And I think we've probably even done it a few times on the podcast where 
we we look at some studies, we look at the 13 years of research, and Dr. Losco told me that's not a lot. We don't mm. really know a lot of things with it, and we can you know label things as super dangerous or not. And football may be turn out to be the most dangerous thing of all time, or it, it might just be what we were, how they were being played in the nineties or two thousands. There was just something wrong with it. And I think that's where a person like Damon Solomon comes along because he was one of the few people who told me it has to start with the NFL mm-hmm. because if parents and families are watching a game where Tom Brady can't be touched or tackled, it sends this message that, well, then can my son, well, if, if he can't be touched, mm-hmm. then how come my, how, how am I going to let my son play or my daughter play? Uh, which should be noted while participation among boys has decreased 14%, the participation among uh, girls has increased uh, mm-hmm. throughout the last 10 years. And even the flag football league, there were a bunch of girls playing as well. Uh, but I think, he was right on where the NFL has to define what the, what the sport is, how it can be played safely. And that may be entirely changing the game as we know it or making subtle changes. But I, and I think probably a lot of people would say the game has changed dramatically since sure. the eighties or, or whatever. Um, and then it just goes from there. I do. I think it, it starts up the top, like anything else, it starts at the top or it might start with the bottom where people are playing flag football and like, in Damon Solomon's league and they stick with that and see where it goes. The, the, the thing that popped into my head was going to the flag football league. One of the kids was like, I, I'm playing tackle next year. And there's this sense that tackle is better than flag for whatever reason. But I do wonder as we progress and flag maybe becomes more of a mainstream event or a league for kids to play in, if that doesn't outweigh, tackle because you look at again speaking to the nfl tom brady didn't play until high school right lawrence taylor didn't play till high school jerry rice didn't play till high school walter payton didn't play till high school you know but with the exception of walter payton who is dead uh why not why aren't some of these guys being a little bit more active and saying hey you know what yeah i didn't play till high school you know don't play mm-hmm. no need to play tackle until this point so i wonder if down the line if these guys become more advocates of flag and then we fall into a baseball kind of mindset where you're t-ball minor league little league and then you're not on a full-size diamond until you're like 13 or 14 right right did you encounter any of the kids because you also spoke with some high school football Mm -hmm. players as well Mm -hmm. did any of those kids was this prominent enough when those kids were younger for any of them to have begun playing football in a flag football league? Yeah, and I think so. Uh, it depends. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they, they, yes, there were flag football options, but that's where I think the the prevalence of it comes in. Uh, right. I spoke with Ron Hilton, whose son is the youngest of seven brothers and all his six He's older like a brothers. wide receiver for New Bedford, yep. right? Yep. Yep. Uh, and his six older brothers played, and uh, Ron asked his son if he wanted to play flag and no part. Want to be like my right. brothers, want to play. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of the, the aspect of kids. I don't think you want to make a kid do anything he doesn't want to do in the first place. So mm-hmm. if he doesn't want to play flag, now maybe that, that's, a, that's a compromise where that can happen, but – even you're thinking that Baron Hilton, he's 18 at this point. 
when he started playing it, you know, 10, 9, 10, 11, that's still nine years ago, which really the infancy com- of CTE yeah, anyways. these conversations weren't happening. Right. Then. Had, I don't even know if Junior Seau had happened nine years ago. I don't think he had, but either the first diagnosis, I think, was 2005. So that's 13 yeah. years ago. So yeah. nine years ago is... That's really early. For for a quick aside, did you encounter much reporting? Like when you were doing your research for the history of CTE diagnosis, did you encounter much reporting of that 2005 case or was it pretty little for the... I couldn't... Yeah. uh, In fact... To me, I thought, and because I remember in covering sports then, I was mm-hmm. uh, the Chris Henry uh, one popped up more for me. Which uh, I'm trying to think when that 2009. Okay. So to me, that was more of a landmark. That was like the first real splash, right? To okay. me, yeah. That I maybe not real splash because uh, BU really took it over in 2005. That's when they really started hit the ground running. Okay. But I think for the mainstream. 2009 was really when it burst onto the public household name because Chris Henry was an active player right. and, and and had it. So it was one right. of these things where uh, I'm a big you know fan of How I Met Your Mother, and there's a joke that kind of continually goes on where uh, Marshall, one of the characters, will be doing something and, example, he'll have an exam the next morning. He'll be playing video games that night, and he's like, Future Marshall can worry about that, can worry about the mm-hmm. exam. Present Marshall mm-hmm. wants to play video games. And I think until that point, uh, it was future so-and-so can worry about CTE when I'm retired and I'm out of the game. Right. Where when Chris Henry came along, it was like, whoa, present me has to worry about it because an right. active player has right. it. Okay. Yeah, that that was one thing that stood out to me as well. I was really intrigued just with the amount of like back reporting you had done. But um, a, one of the things that really stood out was um, – when you were speaking to Rakeem Jackson, who what what school was he playing Wareham. for? So Rakeem Jackson was playing at Wareham. You sort of detailed his how often he was on the field because the team yeah. was so small. How involved he was in the game. He at five three one thirty five three one thirty eight. That was what really stood out. How how nose tackle real slight he was. Um, in dealing in like hyper local news like we do i run into high school kids that i interview for stories sometimes and you don't necessarily always when you're asking them questions it it doesn't they're doing something but they're not necessarily thinking about in depth why this is like why is this important Mm -hmm. at this moment like why would this person want to talk to me he the quotes he gave seemed like he had been acutely aware of the possibilities he's presenting himself with by playing football and especially by the size of the team. Did you find that the high school players were more aware than some of the cuz you talked earlier about how some of the parents they mm-hmm. they didn't quite know. Do you think the high school players and the players in general are rather informed about what's going on? Yes and no. I, I think it's, again, something that they know and they think of. But at the same time, I found a little bit more frustration. Like, Rakeem was really frustrated in the fact, and actually Damon Solomon mentioned the same thing, mm-hmm. that with the, the decreasing numbers of participation in football, it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. Because something, someone like Rakeem, He's out there, and you can't substitute players. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with the youth pop Warner leagues, the New Bedford Bears, the the coach I spoke to who coaches the five to seven year olds and tackle football. If you're only getting 19 people out there to play or to for a team, mm-hmm. you have to you got to play 11, everybody. 11, yep. and then you know with 
they're five to seven. Some will show up late. Some will, it's kind of casual. So if two kids can't make it because of, for whatever reason, then you're really, you know, at the, at the level where they're participating every single play. So I think that was the, the, the thing that I think Rakeem brought up was they play other sports, you know, they play their basketball players, mm-hmm. their baseball players. They want to play those other sports. They don't want to put all their bas- their uh, eggs in one basket and then get hurt during football season right. and then not be able to play anything else. And it's frustrating because people aren't playing football because of the dangers of getting injured, and that only creates more injuries because guys are out in the field the longer. People who are playing. Yeah. <laughs> did, did anyone indicate to you that that may factor into their decision to stop playing football at any point? No, actually. Uh, Rakeem wanted to play football to show that, you know, a little guy can, can do things. Right. Uh, so I, I think the, the game itself was uh, a measuring stick for him and to others to show, see, little guys can do things. So right. I don't think that played into anything uh, to maybe leave the game. Right. Um, what were some of the um, – obviously, Rakeem was aware of the things he was um, – some, some of the dangers of football, I suppose, um, and – we spoke of some other people who were as well, or that were eager to learn about CTE. Um, what did you hear from some of the people who were more skeptical about the disease and about football's involvement in it? I think uh, it, people thought it was a little too too much too soon mm-hmm. in terms of we don't know what the science says. It's uh, a little too early to call it completely dangerous. And I think the main thing that everyone took away was just anecdotal defense, anecdotal defense, anecdotal example, examples, mm-hmm. such as, well, I played football, all my friends played football, they don't have CTE, they're not weird, they're not anything. Right. I think that's a slippery slope or just dangerous at the very least. Uh, when Junior Seau took his life, Everyone was shocked and didn't realize anything like mm-hmm. that. Sure, he did show some signs, and uh, you know, some people were saying that when they you talk about he didn't feel himself or something was wrong with him. But people who weren't immensely close to him didn't necessarily know that. Now, I'm not saying everyone who played high school football has CTE. Sure, um, but just to say that, well, I played it, I feel fine. My friends played it, they feel fine. That's 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 all great and well, but I I think then that just is kind of disrespectful to the research that the people at Wake Forest or Boston University are doing. I don't claim, and they don't claim to know everything about it, mm-hmm. but I do think there's enough of a blip on the radar to take this seriously and have a uh, surprise, surprise, a conversation about something, which is what we want to do in this podcast is right. not sure we know anything assert with 100% certainty about a- anything, but there's enough research here for people, I think, to step back and, and see what's happening. I, and I that was the main thing that I talked to some people about was they would say, well, I, I just think it's it's a little overblown. And then when you kind of present the information that Dr. Losco has presented to me, for the most part, every single person said, whoa, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. I need to, like, yeah, examine a little bit more. Well, speaking of examining it a little bit more, Mike. Oh, geez. Yeah, and, and and now I know Mike, where you're going. Mike is going to take off his interview subject hat and put his co-host hat back on. Um, I think I always I think it's the same hat for me. I don't think I, I don't same? know if I'll change. All right, keep the hat. We'll on. We'll see. It's a nice hat. Um, see how it goes. Speaking of delving into some more research and uh, 
perhaps having a conversation. So See, I think that this is what I mean. I think you're going to be a little more snarky, which is why I highlighted the uh, <laughs> the conversation aspect. Merrill Hodge, uh, ESPN analyst, right? Uh, I don't. I think so. I don't. Wa- I'm not a huge ESPN watcher anymore. So. Uh, I'm not sure if Speak, if he's still speaking of snarky. Not a huge ESPN watcher anymore. Huh? Okay, uh, that's just a fact. <laughs> that's just facts. But so he was. He at least was at one point. Sure. He might still be. So possibly currently still employed ESPN analyst Merrill Hodge. Montana has, bringing up facts that he, he his his part of the the show when he wants me to fact check his <laughs> his things this while is, we go. This is the absolute longest preface that the bubble has ever done. Merrill Hodge released a new book, uh, which he has titled Brainwashed, The Bad Science Behind CTE and the Plot to Destroy Football. Um, As Twitter tends to do when something like this is announced, uh, it was lit aflame by the news and people were digging up old articles, people were making their jokes. Um, Mike actually brought this to my attention. So maybe how did, how did this cross into your understanding? Um, Mike Freeman of, uh, I think Bleach Report tweeted it out and, uh, mentioned the actual title of the name of the book. Uh, Merrill Hodge no longer works for ESPN. He was, uh, laid off in 2017. So we will refer to him as author Merrill Hodge. Yes. Uh, or former ESPN analyst, uh, NFL player, whatever you want to, whatever you want to do. Uh, but yeah, it popped up and I think. While I, I'm all on the, the snark train uh, to begin with, you know, it's always fun to roll your eyes while typing uh, a, a snarky tweet. <laughs> I think uh, it it only, again, builds the walls, and I'm about I'm a bridge builder. No, sure. I, look, for all the snark that you can provide, I, I think it is worth noting. Um, I, I think the questions we both had were... Um, how is he going to frame it? So w- what is he going to present? And to be fair, his title is snark. His, I mean, that's exact. Okay, to clear all of the snarky uh, Twitter's name in this, his t- <laughs> it sounds like a Bill O'Reilly book. It's it's yeah, that, and I think that's that's where if I can pat myself on my own on, uh, on go the back, ahead. yeah, that's what the bubble. That's for. really like it's difficult sometimes when someone enters the conversation with snark. <laughs> It's really difficult to not continue down that road, but I, I'm inter- I'd rather have an interesting conversation than just can you know go back with the snark. But the snark's very easy, and he he set himself. It's up for it's it. yeah, it's it's a little much. Like let's, let's let's stomp pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. So obviously, um, Mike and I this I think this book just came out today, right? Or like yesterday? It came out this week. We'll say we don't know the facts. We haven't read it. That's what we we'll need a that. fact checker. We need a fact checker. Where's a our live, producer? Where live, is our producer? A live fact checker, mind you. <laughs> Montana will not let anyone know what he's going to talk about, and then you you'll do it live. Speaking of Bill O'Reilly, we'll start it. We'll start it. <laughs> you mad? You mad? Okay, whatever. Shout out Cameron. Come on the podcast. Um, one of the things that people sort of brought up. Um, and this is shifting from the book itself a little bit, and we'll we'll make sure we get to that. But people were concerned. Um, I think really people were concerned about Merrill Hodge's health. Um, nah, that's not fair. That no, they weren't. Um, they brought up an old Chicago Tribune article in which Merrill Hodge won a lawsuit against a former Bears team physician. Um, his 
argument was that the physician didn't warn him about the severity of his concussions, which the Tribune reporting states uh, forced Hodge to retire at the age of 29. Um, So I think people sort of pointed to that as, well, here's clear evidence that you may have also been affected by this. But I think this brings us to a point you mentioned at the top of the pod, which concussions and CTE aren't the same thing, but the repetitive hits to the head that Hodge endured that forced some of these concussions may it's weird to sort of like point to the future when someone's still alive but that's sort of what people are doing they're saying well here's what happened to you there people have highlighted moments where um, Hodge said himself he was quoted as saying um, in the training room that he died multiple times and had to be resuscitated Um, so I think people are sort of pointing to this as well, how how can you say this when you've clearly been affected by the worst parts of football? And I think it maybe, and maybe, again, I've read the book, but it, maybe he'll use these buzzwords like war on football to just get our attention because if it was uh-huh. just a non-nothing book about this, right. maybe we don't. And I'm looking at a, a Yahoo opt-ed uh, that Hodge and uh, the co-author Cummings wrote in Yahoo, and it says, for the record, we are not saying CTE doesn't exist or mm. suggesting that taking repeated hits to the head is a good thing. Clearly something is causing the neurodegenerative disease in some athletes and, ca- and something is leaving CTE's distinctive protein signature in the brains. But there is so much we don't know. What causes it uh, if impacts to the head are really involved that is a little iffy. I'm going to ask you to go back, not to cut you How off. How much exposure is too much? What clinical symptoms, if any? Uh, I think those are all things that Dr. Losco has said. We need to find these things out. Right. Did he, in that op-ed, it said that they were stating that repetitive hits to the head is a good thing? Did no, you is, read that correctly? No, 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 I, maybe I did. They're not saying it doesn't exist or suggesting that taking. They're not, they're not suggesting suge- yeah, okay. Okay. that taking hits is a good thing. Yeah. Okay. So I... I <laughs> It's weird because, you know, you come out in one sense with this war on football and all this other things, and now you're kind of backtracking a little bit mm-hmm. in this. So I don't know what it is. And if if it's just – Trey Wingo said it was a very interesting read. My question always – He's one when- I think that is a little – I don't know. I think – Skeptical I, I, for him? No, I think Trey Wingo is maybe, you know – a little bit more down the middle where he didn't yeah. say it was good or bad. He just said right. interesting. The issue I always have with things like this that are, I haven't spoke, spoken to Merrill Hodge. So I don't want to paint him incorrectly, but seemingly when you bring up a contrarian point, almost just to be contrarian, how much further does that actually advance the conversation? Like, I think these research things are probably going to happen regardless. Is it really advancing the conversation at all to frame them in this is a conspiracy against football? Right. It, it, the opt-ed kind of goes against, and I, and I don't really want to make this a conversation about Merrill Hodge because honestly, I, I, don't, I just really, don't really yeah. care about his book and anything <laughs> like that. Uh, he's more than happy to come on and talk about the, the pod. But Meryl, come on the pod. I, I just, yeah, it's I, that because of what you just said. You right. know, I mean, yeah, I, 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 Dr. Lasko's a scientist. 
I'd right. like to talk to the research and see what they say. Yeah, and, and, and even to, I mean, you know, I'll point, the, I'll look at the mirror for myself. I quoted, you know, Tom Brady's dad in, in the, the story. Mm-hmm. I just don't really care what he thinks either because, you know, he's not studying the brains and, and things like that. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's great that he thinks that, but it, I mean, if, I'm listening to the person who's doing the research. Well, They've done a lot more than I have. At, yeah. So as, as that's a, what they do. I think it, it's important to include those people as a journalist sure, because it, sure. gi- it gives you the temperature of how people are reacting to the news. However, when you're taking in your information, like you're saying, I, I think you should err more on the side of science. Now, the, the one thing I will say, and then we can wrap because like you, I don't really want to spend too much time on Merrill Hodge. Um, I I do think... Um, I, I'm sort of interested to see how he frames his personal, uh, health history with football into the book, if he does it all, because I think those are things people can point to and say, it it would, I'll say it would be an unfortunate bit of foreshadowing if what these people on Twitter are saying about his history comes into fruition with what they're sort of pointing to in the future. Because I, feel, I, I I just don't feel like it's in anyone's best interest to, yeah, just I don't know. It just it just seems off. It seems like capitalizing on contrarianism, which in this case I don't feel like is actually worth doing. I don't think it adds anything, and it's also not that funny. Like it's not actually funny. Yeah, I, I think it. You know, if you want to have a, if it sparks conversation, great. But I, I'm more interested in the answers than protecting or attacking football. I, I, to me, I, I like the game. I watch the game. I'm, I'm curious as to, you know, we, we watch the games to see what, who is better, what the outcome is, what is correct. Mm -hmm. Why is it? Why are there challenges to see what the correct call is to me? I'm interested what the correct call is. What is causing CTE? What do we need to find out? What don't we know? Right. But I, I don't think just because there are things being revealed that are negative towards or that have negative repercussions, they're not negative nor positive, they're just things, right? but have negative repercussions to a certain thing. That doesn't mean that there's a war on football. And right. if you think that, then, yeah, I'm just, I kind of, my eyes glaze point. over. Yeah, kind of missing the point. All right. Well, go read Mike's article. Yeah, and I think that, again, and... and that's the the kind of frustrating thing is we talk a lot about Merrill Hodge and and the reviews and whatever. But in my story, everyone I spoke to, whether they were quoted quoted or not, weren't that. And that's that's the concern for what it's worth, right? So What's up, the concern? up until this point, you you've had people who are really accepting oh, of sure. this research because or, yeah. because you haven't had. And look, th- it's worth having an, oppo- an opposing viewpoint. But scientifically speaking, I I don't see how you can frame this research and say this is a fabricated thing to create a war against football. Like this this is research that's being done on people who have suffered from this disease, and the link is clearly there. So it, I, my fear with things like this is that it will begin to shift the narrative into a divisive one side against the other thing like everything else is. The, the one that keeps coming to my mind is like global warming. So I just recently listened to a podcast with uh, Nathaniel. 
Nathaniel, I'm totally blanking. He wrote the article about global warming that it was the entire New York Times magazine. Nathaniel Rich, Nathaniel Rich. Um, And essentially he highlighted the period in the 80s where people were listening to global warming concerns and there were policies being made and they were getting, they were starting to get rolled out. And then other factors came into play, money, business, and these sort of flashing lights came up that said, Hey, maybe this isn't a thing. Hey, blah, blah, blah. Like this isn't going to be a thing. And people, so nothing ended up happening. And now we're at the point we are with global warming and, Though the stakes probably are not as high with CTE, it does seem like this may be the first in these steps to say, like, let's try to discredit this a little bit. Because, like, a lot of us profit off of football, which is true and not necessarily a bad thing. But at the same time, you could still profit off of football with the understanding that CTE is not a conspiracy against the game. That's my concern. Yeah. Maybe I should have led... Should have led with that, perhaps, and this would have been a shorter conversation. It's actually, yeah, no, is it, the the funny thing is just the timing of it, you know. Just yeah. uh, my story came out, and then Merrill Hodges is releasing a book about a similar topic. It's good content. Thanks, Merrill. Come on the pod. No, we'll always have people on the pod. This is an open arms pod. <laughs> it's a judgment free zone for all takes and books and otherwise. I'm not sure about that. Well, all right. yeah, I don't know if it's a. <laughs> All right, well, go read Mike's story. We'll link it in the description, and uh, we hope you'll have us back, Meryl. Bye.